Hi, and welcome to Tea and Strumpets. I'm your co-host, Zoe, and I am here all by myself today without Kelsey, but that's because we have a special episode, and so I wanted to do a bit of an introduction before we hopped right into it. So today we're going to be airing our first in a series of interviews with romance authors that I was lucky enough to participate in, in conjunction with my local library, the Escondido Library, and librarian Jessica Buck. And I am part of her virtual romance book club. We were in person for a while, but you know, everything's virtual right now. And uh, by the way, y'all should join. It's called Between the Covers Book Club. And she curates fabulous books to read. And not only that, great conversations but um, a little bit of swag that comes your way for the books. And uh, it's just a really great, it's a really great community. I mean, romance communities are always great. But anyhow, I'm getting a little bit off topic as to what we're doing today. So Jessica asked if I would be interested in joining her for a series of virtual chats with romance authors. But this was all the way back in May. So this was still when quarantine uh, had had started. Uh, we didn't know what was going on. Um, and she's continued those chats still. Uh, She's got a summer series going on, but I was part of the spring series. So we're going to be sharing those chats with you guys today. It's a series of six chats, and this is the first one. And we don't want to have them all come at once, so we're going to be interspersing them through here and there. And all of these chats are going to feature different topics, different subgenres of romance, and they're really fabulous. But there are a few things that I do want to mention. Uh, The first thing is that This episode in particular was actually recorded in April, not even in May. This was recorded April 25th, 2020. And today we're going to be talking about contemporary romance and writing romance for today's reader with contemporary romance authors Kristen Rockaway and Alyssa K. Adams. So this was recorded as a Facebook live stream through Zoom. Uh, So just so you guys know, the audio quality is not going to be quite what you're used to from us at Tea and Strumpets. But again, the content is really great. uh, So we hope that you'll bear with us just as, you know, it's not our normal setup. Uh, And the the authors that'll be joining us, you know, some of them have, you know, slightly better setups than others, but everything is still very um, understandable. So hopefully it's still a good experience for you all. Um, Also, we are not editing any of this. So there may be a little bit of pause or things a little bit different than you're used to. Um, Just because of the format that it was to to do some of the editing, it just made it a little bit funky. So if you'd prefer to see the video format, you absolutely can. You can head on over to the Escondido Library YouTube to check all the videos out. And we do have a link to that in the show notes. So if you want to see the authors and yours truly, (laughs) you can check us out there. Um, But I want to say thank you again to the Escondido Escondido Library and to Jessica for inviting me to participate. And so we really hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed being part of these chats and talking to all these authors. I learned so much and I hope you all do too. And we're not going to be having a parlor today. So I'm going to give away what we're reading next week all the way here at the top of the show. So join us next week for Three Weeks with Lady X by Eloisa James. Enjoy.
Well, hello and welcome to the Escondido Public Library Romance Chats. Yay! <laughs> In this series, we're going to be talking to different authors that span the subgenres of romance. I'm Jessica Buck, adult services librarian, and I've invited Zoe of Tea and Strumpets podcast to join me for this series. Zoe is part of our Library Romance Book Club and has a podcast devoted to historical romance novels. I do. Hello. Um, I'm Zoe, and thank you, Jessica, so much for bringing me in on this project. I am very excited to be involved. And today we're going to be talking to the two fabulous contemporary romance authors you see on your screen. Uh, but before we get into that, we just wanted to talk a little bit more about romance to set the scene. Um, so <clears throat> I prepared a statement about romance, um, but to the seasoned romance reader, romance is an empowering feminist and fulfilling genre, but to most of the world, romance is an easy punchline. And to be fair, romance has a storied history that at surface level does make it an easy target. But as we readers know, the moment that you stop and look just one millimeter below the surface, uh, perhaps understand the landscape of the times that those books were written in and the sexual revolution that was taking place and the journey to a woman, a woman finding joy in sex, learning about her desires in a safe space and the evolution of the genre in general. Romance is so much more than its tropes. And I want to add that romance is also so much more than sex. While sex is an important part of many romance novels as it represents another dimension to the relationship and another layer of intimacy through the characters, it is not the entirety of the genre in the same way, right, that sex isn't the entirety of a relationship in real life. And here I'd like to have a little quote from romance author Myle Brodale from her book called Dangerous Books for Girls, The Bad Reputation of Romance Novels Explained, where she said that romance novels, quote, Declare via the happy ending that love is the most important thing and that love can exist between two people, no matter how they identify or whom they love. And love doesn't care about any rules. It, seduct it seductively suggests that you, dear reader, might want to try this at home. <laughs> I love it. Couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> All right. So today, as we mentioned earlier, we are joined by two fabulous contemporary romance novel authors, Kristen Rockaway and Lissa K. Adams. <laughs> Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is wonderful. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And how are so you? Uh, and how are you guys holding up in uh, your respective homes right now? You want to start, Kristen? <laughs> could, you know, it could be worse. It could be worse. Um, yeah. It could be better. <laughs> but, you know, this is just what it is. I'm hanging in there. Um, I'm with my husband and my son. My husband has taken up baking, so I am well fed. Um, he right. ate his first sourdough bread today, uh, so that's good. And I'm, you know, trying to get my work done and have my son up with his schoolwork and uh failing at both so <laughs> relatable <laughs> yes. kind of ditto <laughs> um, yeah uh, I'm you know home with my my husband and my my daughter she's uh 14 so the schoolwork part is a little bit um, less intensive for me because she just sort of does that on her own she's got her own little routine where she wakes up in the morning 
late in the morning <laughs> and, um, uh, and she she does that on her own but you know the still there's a lot to keep up with and she um she's very athletic so she the biggest thing for us is just keeping her busy because she's going absolutely stir crazy not having sports right now and um it's it's crazy to me they're actually we she has a daily zoom um, practice with basketball. Somehow they're practicing via Zoom, like drills and workouts and stuff. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, I've had to, uh, I feel very fortunate. I mean, we we're healthy, we're safe, you know, we've got a nice, nice house to stay in, can't complain. Um, but I definitely, it's been a, have had to change up my routine quite a bit. It's definitely affected my productivity. <laughs> <laughs> definitely understandable. I, um, feel the same way in, in many respects. It's, uh, it's just a very change, very big change of pace, you know, and, uh, it just, you kind of have to adapt Go with it. Yeah. It's been a lot of walking. Yeah. yeah. I have my dog. I, I mean, I was already walking my dog every day, but now, you know, we're taking like four walks. Just Yeah. I'm, I'm actually quite sure that my dog at this point is like, are you ever going to leave the house again? <laughs> because you're kind of driving me nuts. Sometimes point. my dog looks at me like he's annoyed, you know? Yeah, for I'm sure. Sitting on like chairs that he never sits on just because like we were on the couch. Right. Yes. <laughs> I keep like trying to call my dog to come like hang out with me in the office. And she just, she doesn't even respond anymore during the day. She's like, no, this yeah. is my time. Like I sit I over here right now. <laughs> she needs her alone time. <laughs> Uh, well shall we get started talking about you guys and your books sure all right so I guess our first question um is we want to know a little bit about you guys um for the for the watchers I wanted to say listeners I'm used to saying listeners (laughs) (laughs) but for the watchers here so can you each tell us a little bit about you and the books that you write and let's go ahead and start with Lissa today okay (laughs) Um, yeah, so I write, um, romantic comedies. I have a series, um, through Berkeley right now called, um, the Bromance Book Club. Uh, the first one came out in November and then the sequel Undercover Bromance just came out in, um, March, which feels like 18 months ago at this point, but it just came out March 10th. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's about, um, a group of men who have a secret book club in which they read romance novels um, to become better partners. They think they call them the manuals because they think that they hold all the answers to love and relationships and women. Um, And uh, I drew a lot on life experience a little bit. I have, my husband is a sports writer. uh, And so I, when I was sort of crafting some of the scenes in which the guys discuss romance novels, I literally thought, okay, so if I took my husband and his sports writer buddies and I like locked them in a room with romance novels, what would that conversation sound like? And uh, that's, I, I draw a lot on, on, on that, but um, so yeah, so romantic comedy is my genre and that's my current series, so. Awesome. Kristen, you wanna tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, so I also write what I think you would call a romantic comedy. Um, mine le- lean slightly toward uh, more like women's fiction or like chiclet, if anyone remembers what chiclet used to be. I do. <laughs> I love chiclet. And so um, so that's real, but that doesn't exist anymore. 
Um, so it's really a romantic comedy where, but it really explores um, the women's kind of journey, their whole journey and romance is a big part of that journey. So that they're going on some journey of self-discovery, like for example, with how to hack a heartbreak, my last book, it was a, about a girl. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> it's about a woman who, um, she works at, for a startup incubator and she, um, she's kind of the help desk. She's nobody really important. Um, well, she's important, but nobody sees, sees her as important. Um, so she's treated like crap all day by guys at work. And then she dates online with like flutter it's called so like tinder. Um, and she's treated like crap on these apps. Um, so she decides to write her own app called jerk alert that allows her to, um, any women in, it takes place in New York, any woman in the city to say, oh, this, you know, log their bad dates online or log their bad experiences with men online. And it, <laughs> it starts as just like a little, you know, joke for her friends. But then of course, because it's a romantic comedy, it blows up in her face. And she, <laughs> it's also a workplace comedy. So her love interest is at work. Um, so, but, but it's about, it's about her journey to, you know, not only finding love and fi building her ability to trust, um, but also her career journey and, you know, navigating a male dominated industry. I, um, will say that I have, I've read your, how to hack a heartbreak, Kristen, and I've read, I'm in the middle of the romance book club right now. And as a pretty much like completely historical reader, <laughs> um, I've been, I've just been really excited going on this like contemporary journey. And, you know, I, I work in tech, Kristen and I have met because we live in the same town. So I've seen her at a couple of book signings and oh my gosh, that book is like, it just, I have to say, like, I was like, uh, this is my life. <laughs> like, yeah. I was, I was like, oh my God, like the VC boys and all of the, just like, uh, the, the, the jerks, uh, that you know, like, it was a little like, oh my God, you know, moments, but also very vindicating. Because yeah. I was just like, this is my life. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I worked in software development for 15 years. Everybody knows that. So I was at the end, toward the end of my career, I was a, a head of a software, a small software engineering department. And um, it's, I mean, it's real. The men I work with for the, by and large were very respectful and wonderful, but I worked with Agreed. lots of users, lots of clients who were like that. And it's funny because people, oh. not funny, but like people read the book and they're like, oh, this is, this doesn't really happen. <laughs> oh, it does. <laughs> you, you described a moment. I remember you described a moment where someone like, I, I think she, she was like pitching her app or something and they came in for the hug and mm -hmm. she like, keeps her pelvis like away from mm -hmm. the hug. And I was just like, yeah. how many times have I had to do that with clients? Like um. how many times where, where <laughs> really like you, you want to say like, no, mm. but you, you can't in the moment just because it's right. going to They're be your client. Hard. You can't offend them. You know, Worse. yeah. You and you're like, Ugh. you know, yeah. like, a hysterical bitch causing a, you know, <laughs> Yeah. And I, I will just also freely admit, I started reading the bromance book club. I was like intrigued by the premise and I'm just like, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> so now I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, ah, oh, I need to keep going. I'm like so excited about, uh, what's going to happen. So if anyone watching has not read either of these books, pick them up. I think uh, <laughs> I highly recommend. Well, um, <laughs> 
Jessica, you want to take us to our second question? Yes, absolutely. Okay, here's the second one. So when did you start reading romance and how did you make the journey from reader to writer? Shall we switch it up and start with Kristen this time? Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah, so I came late in life to romance, really. Um, I read a lot of chiclet in my early 20s because I felt like that's what it was becoming really like popular. And that's when, like, I just felt like I related to them because I was the, the protagonist I, of these books. I was living in a city. I lived in New York. I'm from New York. I was living in the city and working on my career and for trying to date, you know, so it was a lot of like parallels between myself and these books. And I really loved them. But then I stopped reading them largely. Well, they, they stopped being produced in such large numbers, but I stopped reading them because I felt like I was being judged for it. Like, and it wasn't even necessarily like other people like being open about that judgment, but it was more mm -hmm. my own sense of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be reading these. Like, you know, I should be reading literary fiction or something smarter, you know, like it was this, I it was almost a sense of like shame, but then, um, I wound up, you know, years passed, I got married, I had a child. And when I was on maternity leave, I suffer from very severe postpartum depression. I had like a really hard time um, when I, after I gave birth to my son. And what really helped bring me out of that was reading stories. Like I picked up these old chiclet novels that I loved um, the, from the early 2000s, just to remember what that was like. And that led me, cause I was looking at the publisher and the publisher for this was Red Dress Inc., which was an old imprint of Harlequin. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And they, so they, you know, closed down Red Dress Inc. when Chiclet became like not so popular, but then that led me to Harlequin. And so that's how I started reading romance, which is kind of, because I needed this happy, happily ever after to just kind of keep, keep me, you know, staying positive. Um, and since then I've like, that's all I read. I really only read stories if I know they're going to have a happy ending. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm now the same too. It's like yeah. I, I read exclusively romance and I, I delve back into my fantasy novels if I know the author and trust them. Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's a, it's a pact between the author, you the reader and the author, right? Like that you know what you're gonna yes. And once you realize that what romance is giving you is that sense of security of that happily ever after and that that happily ever after is there, like you can get emotionally invested in the characters and you know that. And once you're doing that all the time, you kind of don't want to go back to not doing it. I mean, at yeah. least. Yeah, I feel the same. I got to have that yeah. happy ending or it's just stressful. <laughs> I get too yeah. involved emotionally. It's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Yes. You feel cheated at the end where you're like, wait a minute, what? they die at the end <laughs> that's why you have fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, yeah. how did you, when did you first start yeah so I started reading romance probably you know earlier than I should have um I think like late middle school my grandma read romances and you hear that a lot from romance writers that they were swiping them off their grandma's bookshelf and that was true for me um she you know, she read, you know, all of the old classic names that, you know, Judith McNaught and Laverle Spencer and, you know, all of these, you know, late, eight, you know, these 80s writers and, you know, early 90s writers. And um, so that's how I started, you know, reading them. Um, and I've always been a writer. Um, I was that kid that, you know, that nerdy kid that always had a notebook full of story, ongoing stories that, you know, she was working on. Um, and I, I think I pretty much decided pretty early on that if, you know, if I wanted to write fiction that I would write romance, but I had a, um, 
a long career as a journalist, a newspaper reporter before I switched to fiction. So, um, you know, that was a very all consuming career, you know, almost 20 years. Um, and so I was just sort of learning the craft for a long time, you know, um, when I was working full time as a reporter. And so it was when I left reporting that I was able to really focus on writing books. And so, um, but yeah, I think I pretty much always knew that I wanted to write romance. Um, I just, I love this, the, I, you know, as we were just talking about the, the, the happy endings and the hope and um, the stories of, of, you know, at least in the stories that I was reading back then, thankfully we've expanded the genre now, but, you know, it celebrated women's inner lives and, and um, uh, women always succeeded <laughs> in the books I was reading and I, I wanted stories like that, so. And how, I'm curious, so you were, it sounds like you were reading a lot of historicals when you started. So what yeah. brought you to writing contemporary romance? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, it, it's always been that way. I have never um, wanted to write historicals. Although there is, in Bromance Book Club, I have a little snippet of, uh, you know, the book within the book. You're, <laughs> you, you get a, excerpts of the fake book, the, read, the book that they're reading. So I, I got my little, a little... <laughs> a little taste of writing Regency, you know, six, you know, I don't know, you know, a thousand words of it. Um, but contemporary, I think is just, um, always where my storytelling skills are. I think my voice is more suited to, um, um, to contemporary and it's just those kinds of stories I've always wanted to tell, but I was reading, you know, I was reading contemporaries, um, as well, but, yeah, I mean, the big names when I started reading were definitely the, the big historical authors, you know, um, like, I, like I said, Laverle Spencer was huge. But eventually, um, Susan Elizabeth Phillips really made me fall in love with contemporary romance. When I started reading her, I was pretty much hooked on contemporary as well. And Kristen, and did she, you ever... She continues to be my favorite, so. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Kristen, did you ever read historical or were you always the contemporary chiclet uh, kind of reader? Yeah, I was always a contemporary reader and I didn't start reading um, historical until I started writing because then, you know, after I, I, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned this, but like I, how I got to writing was like, I, when my son was a year and a half old, I finally decided I wanted to quit my job and take six months off and finish the novel that I had been starting, you know, forever. So I joined RWA, which I'm not a part of anymore, but I was a part of at the time. And um, Tessa Dare, I was part of the San Diego chapter and Tessa Dare had come to, to she was like my first intro, like my first meeting I ever went to. Oh man, what was Tessa Dare? Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? And I had no clue at the time. And so I go and I was like, oh my God, this one is amazing. And I never really drawn to historical, but then I read her whole Castles Ever After series because that's when it first came out. You know, it was like, oh, yep. God, amazing. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, she's basically the best gateway drug to historical <laughs> romance for anyone, you know, because she, and I, I did an event with her. Right. So she was like my first intro to Ardaway. And then I did an event with her at Warwick's, which was like a dream come true. And then, you know, she, she even admits this, that like, she doesn't necessarily always stick, you know, there are some anachronisms in her stories and she does that purposely, you know, and I, I love that. I absolutely love it. I, I can't help but ask just because I've 
my, so my history with romance was just like, I had a roommate who introduced me to it not many years ago, like six years ago. And I, I think where I got into it before was fan fiction. I was, I was reading tons of Harry Potter fan fiction and it was very, it was very funny. <laughs> so like I was trying to read romance. I just didn't know what I, that romance existed for me. Right. So anyhow, so then I, I was in the historical world and then I was hooked and, and never came out of it until very recently when I've been starting to read some contemporaries based on recommendations. And I just cannot fathom how you fall in love with a world that has cell phones. Like, you know, I mean, I can because I live in it, but it is, it's fascinating for me. So it's been fun for me to read um, these contemporary books and and I'm finding that I kind of maybe like them. <laughs> so... I'm so proud. <laughs> I know, Jessica, Jessica helped with this for sure, for sure. So very exciting. And I know we've touched a little bit on, you know, kind of the books you grew up reading maybe, or the romances you started reading. But I guess what we were wondering too was how do you guys think that what you started reading is different from what we're writing now and what readers, you know, uh, are expecting today? Who wants to start on that? You want to start, Kristen? <laughs> sure, Alyssa. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, because I we live in the contemporary world, the w- world has changed. I mean, when I started reading, cell phones were like not ubiquitous at all. And now like we live half our lives, if not more, in our cell phones. So the challenge that I feel like I faced in my writing is how do I include this like really this technology that is so inherent in our day-to-day, it's, it's just everywhere in our day-to-day lives. But how do you do that in a way that's interesting? Because what's not interesting is reading a story of someone like a, a one that's like, all oh, just so, oh, I scrolled in my phone and I did that. You know what I mean? So like, and how do you make it realistic that people are actually interacting or, or especially with a romance, like people text now, you know, like, so how do you get them out of their schools and into the real world, you know? So I'm constantly, I feel, especially I'm running a YA now, I feel like I'm struggling to get like out of the, where, what are the obstacles that I'm throwing in my character's way that will like get the phone out of their hand or like <laughs> use the phone to like it, it, make them interact in real life, something like that. And social media too. I mean, that's a huge one, right? You know, you can't like write a whole story about like what's on someone's Instagram page, but you have to incorporate and you have to incorporate it into the story because it's just there mm-hmm. or that it exists either. I'm, I'm pretty sure though, Kristen, that you just wrote a book about Instagram. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it was a challenge. <laughs> oh, I bet I can only imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> How about you, Lisa? Yeah, you know, so w- what I started reading were historical. So, you know, obviously, um, just the, the simple fact that I write in a contemporary setting is 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 much different. But I also think that the um, what is vastly different, um, not just in what I write, but in in everything that's written today, is that is the um, open open sexuality of the female characters. You know, in in romance novels today. Um, and you touched on this a little bit in your you know what what you said at the beginning that. You know, there was a time period when, you know, because of society, I mean, you know, that there was a, there was and continues to, to, to be a societal bias against female sexuality. And so, 
there's there still remains sort of an icky factor, you know, that people don't, you know, want to talk about it or, you know, admit that it exists. But, you know, when I was introduced to the romance genre, you know, there were a lot of books in which the woman did not initiate sexual contact, um, was supposed to, um, you know, kind of protest at first. It was almost forced to admit that she enjoyed it, you know, because society was not comfortable with the idea of a woman openly wanting it and enjoying it and initiating it. Um, so what's really important for me when I write today is that, um, that there is an equality in, in, in sexuality. There's an equality in sexual desire and, and who initiates it and who wants it. Um, and, and to, so I think to me, that's one of the biggest sea changes, you know, from, I mean, really, frankly, you know, even 20 years ago, there were still some books coming out in which, you know, you, you still have, you still had readers who didn't want a female character who'd had sex before, you know, I mean, there were still books coming out at the, you know, beginning of the, of the 2000s, you know, in which it was, you had to really kind of bend over backwards to explain why a woman might be on birth control already, <laughs> you know, or, um, so yeah, I think I think that's been one of the things that's really important to me is that there's there is no shame, you know, you know, in in what I write today versus what, you know, I started reading. And when you think about it, you know, it's well, if you can read some of those books, twenty years ago is two thousand. That's I mean that's seems very close to our time, right? I mean, yeah. and, and I know this is a historical, but um, it's been getting a lot of press just because they're making the Netflix series, but Br the Bridgerton book, the first one, The right. Duke and I was written 20 years ago. So That's a lot crazy. of, you know, there's there's one scene in that book that, you know, uh, some people take umbrage with today that they didn't take umbrage with in the big, you know, 20 years ago. And that's, right. that's it's, in my opinion, you know, a little bit more minor than maybe some of the things we were seeing in the 80s or the 90s and in, in romance. But mm -hmm. I just think that's fascinating, you know, just the evolution of the romance reader and also the romance writer, because, I mean, you look at that same writer 20 years ago to today, like it's, it's, you see a difference. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. How can anybody do something for 20 years and not, you know, change and, and, and good, you know, growth, et cetera. Yeah. Like there's so many, 20 years is a long time. <laughs> yeah. And editors too. I mean, editors make a difference too. what they might have told an, a writer 20 years ago, oh, we might need to soften that a little bit or take that out. You know, today they, anything goes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so fun. So Jessica, you want to carry us to number, to the next one we have on the list? Let's see. I was at number, I think number <laughs> four. You combined? Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I kind of combined it, but like I think it's still a separate question. <laughs> okay. So what do you think today's reader wants to read? Melissa, um, you want to start us? Oh, wait, Kristen's starting. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, pass up that awkward, everybody talking about time, but instead of it worse. <laughs> I was going to say that I think today's reader, particularly today in quarantine, wants some brain candy. They want oh, yes. date yes. from the grim of dystopian world that we are currently yes. 
experiencing. I've hired people all the way going back to comfort reads, like rereading things that they knew, you know, or going back to comfort authors. Um, and honestly, I feel like this is, this is a time for romance. Like, you know, you're going to get a happily ever after, like, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to, it's going to pay off in the end and you're going to have a good feeling and it'll give you an escape. So I truly feel like that's, that's what they're going for. Comfort reads, brain candy. Yeah. I was going to say something very similar. I, th- I think that people are looking for hopeful stories right now. Um, books that just simply make them feel good or make them laugh out loud or it just give them a reason to um feel good about something you know even if even if it's just for a little while um um I've been getting I get a lot of messages you know or have been the past few you know several weeks um of people saying I'm so glad your book came out before the pandemic hit because you know it's given me something to laugh about and I'm like well okay great (laughs) I you know couldn't have predicted a pandemic, but I'm glad my book is there for you um, during this. You know, um, but I do. I think that people just they want some hopeful stories right now. I don't think I think that we. I mean, certainly, you know, dystopian still sells, but I think that reality is <laughs> so painful right now that they don't want to read about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I um, recently kind of went on a reading, real reading binge kick and read like seven books, you know, and, and to varying, you know, love, loving them levels. And even, and obviously they were all romances. And so it, there was just like this absolute desire to get to the end because that happy ever happily ever after is that kind of like endorphin kick. Right. And so even if like, it maybe wasn't my favorite read, it's like, I, this is what I need right now, you know, and I'm going to get there and it is still going to give me such a like relief uh, at that moment. And it's just me and my book and, you know, it's, it's, such a nice thing to have right yeah now. I've been the same lately it's just that we're moving so all of our books except for a few are packed oh no so I've only been able to read what I can get online off of Libby and Overdrive and Hoopla and fan fictions always there but yeah it's just, I just I need some happy yeah <laughs> definitely and thank goodness for e-readers right now I mean Really, that's uh, makes it really nice. Um, although I will say, support your independent local bookstore. I have also yes. ordered from my bookstore too, um, but I love that you know I at least have books at my fingertips. So, yeah. yeah. So, do you guys have a favorite trope? I'm curious if you have a favorite trope to read versus to write. Lisa, you want to start that one? Sure. Um, I definitely love um, to both to read and write second chance um, stories. Um, I, I like them because you jump right into the deep end of sort of the emotional pool. You know, there's an existing set of feelings, whether they're, you know, usually it starts out with, you know, kind of negative feelings that they have to work through. Um, so I really love second chance um, stories. And I think those are probably my favorite to write. Um, but I also really love to, I love enemies to lovers just because there's, they're, the banter is fun. And, you know, and that can, that can just be really satisfying to see them finally sort of reach their breaking point when they start to get vulnerable with each other 
I love that, you know, so that's, I would say those are definitely my favorite, both to read and to write. Awesome. Kristen? I actually really like Friends to Lovers because there isn't that, like, because sometimes with Enemies to Lovers, I mean, there are some amazing Enemies to Lovers books that I do like, but sometimes I feel like, well, why are you forgiving that the transgression? I mean, it's just maybe because I'm just like a person who <laughs> grudge. Um, but Friends to Lovers to me is so great because there's all this shared history. So there's no like getting to know you kind of stuff to get over. But then they're like, re- they're rediscovering things about each other or like finding like, oh my gosh, you know, there's this thing where we've always really loved each other. And this is why, you know, like I, for me, that is just so heartwarming. I love Aww. it. <laughs> that is, uh, that's really interesting. I think historicals have less friends to lovers just because, you know, men and women couldn't be friends. Although there's, there's the occasional, you know, the older brother or the, you know, younger sister. Right. And sometimes they get away with it that way. But um but yeah, no, I think that that's really cool because they, yeah, they have that shared history and that makes all the difference in, in, in a lot of cases. I just read a enemies to lovers. That was, was really good. I was very surprised by it. Um, it was a male, male romance and their families were like, you know, Montague Capulet. And I hadn't read Ooh. something kind of like that where like, really it turned out that, you know, of course these people hated each other, but they really had no reason to hate each other just their families had you know previously wrong so I liked that angle and that's the fun thing about tropes right is that there's always something a little new angle that you can kind of take a spin on it you don't have to flip it on its head but just one little diversion can like make the whole story different yep (laughs) so yeah I love Emma by Jane Austen so I love the whole relationship where it's they had this close friendship and then it just becomes something else. I love that. So I think we have a very important question here. Jess, I've highlighted it in yellow. I think we should go for this. <laughs> okay. let's, let's go for gold. Okay. Yeah. What is your favorite library memory? All <laughs> your faces. Like, oh. <laughs> Kristen, you want to start us off? Yeah, so I... I I was, I lived, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I was a big library, like I went to the library twice a week, I lived in Canarsie, Brooklyn, and Jamaica Bay Branch was my local branch, and I knew all the librarians all knew me by name, and I just, I loved (laughs) it so much, and so I would go to, I don't know if it still exists, but they had the RIF program, Reading is Fundamental, and they had um, where it was like every so many books, you would get a free book. Every, you know, every so many books you checked out of the library and read, you would get a free book. And they had like a box. And it was so exciting going next to the children's librarian and like flat, rifling through all the books that I could get. And then they would put a sticker in the back and you could sign your name. And I was actually the youngest kid at that branch to <laughs> got like a certain number of books. And they threw me a party. <laughs> They gave me Boggle. It was, I love that. Oh, that is so sweet. In public library. Love that. Shape my love of books. Oh. Wow. The librarian that just makes me so happy. <laughs> Loved all those librarians there. Yeah, I was, I was the library kid too. I mean, I, I probably went to the library twice a week same thing now I would grew up in a very very small town so our library was the 
stinkiest library you can imagine. Um, and so I would go on the days that I knew new books were coming in so I could, you know, see what they had new. Um, and the librarians knew, you know, to sort of point out what new was, you know, in, in the, in the kids section, or as I got older, you know, the various sections. Um, and I think one of my funniest library memories though is, so my mom was the president of the teachers union and they went on strike um, going into my freshman year of high school. And the strike was basically headquartered at my house. And so, you know, for two weeks, when I was supposed to be starting high school, these teachers were just hanging out, you know, were at my house day and night, you know, striking and making picket signs and, you know, all kinds of things. And I went downstairs one day and I said to my mom, um, mom, I'm, I'm going to go meet Susan at the library and all of these teachers start clapping, <laughs> you know, yay for library kids. So, you know, I was definitely the teacher's pet for, <laughs> for just simply being a library kid, but you know, I was bored. I, what I did was go to the library, but um, I will have to say that my favorite library story is that I went on vacation um, to see an aunt and uncle in Florida when I was, 12 I think 11 or 12 and they took us to the local library it's was St. Augustine Florida and they took us to the library the first day we got there so we could get some books to read while we were down there and I found this obscure book called Prima Ballerina by an author named Gladys Mulvern it was written like 1952 it was like this beaten up hardcover and it's about a ballerina who goes on her first national tour and I read it four times that week and I took it home with me. <laughs> I loved it so much. I didn't return it. And so my aunt and uncle were like, you know, we've gotten these notices about an overdue book. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know what happened to that book. I'm sure I left it in that room. You know, Nope. I had completely stolen it. So finally for Christmas that year, my dad sent a check to the St. Augustine, Florida library to pay for this book that I could keep it. I still have it here in my oh office. Oh my gosh. I still have that book. Yeah, it's my favorite. So, sorry. That's, that's, that's a great story. I'm sorry. I, you know, we did pay for it. We did. I, I stole your book. I loved it so much. I'm sorry. They had your, like, your photo up. And, you know, they did. This girl. Wanted. Wanted. <laughs> Prima ballerina. Girl from Michigan stole our book. Yeah, I felt really bad, but I just, I loved this. I read it like four times that week. It was like the best book I'd ever read. Oh, that's, that's really fun. I, I, my favorite library memory is just in middle, my, my middle school library. It's my school library, but I stumbled upon um, a book called The Black Stallion. And I was a horse mad girl. And I read all of Walter Farley's Black Stallion books. And I was enamored. And it was just like an absolute haze of, you know, you, the same thing, like you stumble upon a book and you just, you're transported. Yeah. And I wouldn't have found that book if I hadn't just been at the library browsing. And, you yeah. know, it, it did a lot for me. I loved that book. So Yay for libraries. I Yay know. for I libraries. talking about this. I, I remember, I have so many memories, especially now since I work in a library, but just as 
someone before I worked, one of my favorite memories was in high school. I went to my high school library because I wanted to check out a copy of Jane Eyre. And the librarian let me check out the, um, the copy for the classes that were reading it. So I got it for the entire school year. <laughs> so I read it so many times and I was so happy because I didn't have to take it back until the end. <laughs> I just love that. That's yeah. a nice librarian too. <laughs> she, she got I it. Love, she knew. I love libraries. I get so excited when someone like tweet or, you know, post on Instagram, a picture of my book or something. And I can tell that they got it from the library. I'm always like, yay. That's so exciting to me that my book is in libraries. You know, yeah. I love that. I also get really excited. Like my nephews get to go to the library and they get to pick out books and bring them back and, and just seeing them enjoy that of the, and, and having that process, like seeing young kids go to the library. It's like, I don't know. There's something very heartwarming about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love seeing the kiddos. It's the cutest thing. And oh. you guys have a really big kid section at the Eskimo yeah. library. It's oh, you know, nice. giant really? murals and like, it's fabulous. Wow fabulous. So I think we're getting a little long here. So I think we're going to wrap up if, if we're all good at that, but um, we have a couple closing questions for you guys. So I guess um, let's start off with what's next for you, Kristen, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> June 30th, I have um, my next book is coming out. It's called She's Faking It. It's about oh. a girl who she drops out of college and lives in Pacific Beach. It takes place in San Diego, which is, yeah, yeah. So I used to live in Pacific Beach. Um, so it takes, she lives in Pacific Beach, which is this, if you're not familiar with San Diego, it's, it's this really cool, cool town, like on the beach. Um, and there's like a big party vibe there. So, um, so she lives there in this illegal apartment and, um, her, she door dashes for a living, except in the book, I had to call it grub getting. Oh, her only source of income. And then her dumpy car breaks down. So then she doesn't have a source of income anymore. And she's laid on her rent. She doesn't know what to do. And long story short, she winds up becoming this like half-assed Instagram influencer. Um, and she was like led by uh, like a, a self-help guru called, her name is Demi De Palma. And in the story, she is referred to as um, the secret meets goop for the Instagram generation. So... Oh <laughs> And then she falls, there's like this hot surfer next door that she falls in love with. Uh, and, you know, she's like trying to balance this like fake, and he's like very anti-social media um, for good reason. And so she's trying to balance this burgeoning half-assed Instagram influencing career with this burgeoning romance with hot surfer. Um, so I guess that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cute. Oh, I love it. That sounds so cute. <laughs> How about you, Lissa? Yeah, so the um, third uh, in the bromance series comes out October 27th. So um, I just finished up copy edits on that. So, you know, I'm not, I don't know when galleys or anything go out. I'm not sure when, when, <laughs> when that'll be happening. But um, I'm, I just signed a, or a new deal with Berkeley um, for three more um, bromance books. So um, I'm currently, I just started writing the fourth book. So yeah, so I'm uh, I'm not as productive as I wish I was, but um, so that's that's what's next for me. Productivity right now. I mean, I feel like we should all just take what we can get and be gentle <laughs> yeah. on ourselves. You know, yeah. doing our best. Yes, yeah. So I guess 
Finally, we want to know where can readers find you and uh, where can they get your books? So, Lisa? Yeah, so my books are available anywhere. Libraries, of course. Um, um, any retailer um, definitely supports your indies. Um, if you can order from your local indie, that's wonderful. Um, but you can also get it, you know, any, anywhere books are sold. Um, online, you can find me on Twitter. I spend way too much time there. Um, just at Lissa K. Adams on Instagram. I'm trying to get better about Instagram. I am there at Lissa K. Adams. Mostly it's pictures of my dog um, because my teenager no longer lets me take, take pictures of her. So it's just my dog. Um, so yeah, best place to find me. I do have a reader group on Facebook, the Lissa K. Adams book club. Um, so that's fun too, if you want to join. Yeah. Awesome. Kristen? Oh yeah, same thing about finding my book at the library. It is available at <laughs> Diego County Library, San Diego City Library. There's I got the audio book too, if you want. Um, in terms of indies in San Diego, Warwick's, Mysterious Galaxy. If you're in LA, Rip Bodice. If you're in Brooklyn, Books or Magic. And any, you know, indie bound, if you're just, you know, uh, not sure where your local indie bookstore is. And in terms of online, you can find me, you know, kristenrockaway.com is my website. And I am most active on Instagram, actually. I can give you some tips. Besides a lot of reasons. Oh, I, I, I turned it over to my daughter. She was shaming <laughs> me so much. She's like, mom, you're supposed to like all of these comments. I'm like, I, okay, I, yeah. you do it then. It's terrible. We'll, we'll by my own kid. I'm down. <laughs> I'll take your advice. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, um, I, I also feel like social media, like you do what you can, right. And not yeah. if it's overwhelming, like you just put it to the side. Like that's sometimes I feel like it's a job all in itself. So yeah. Shouldn't feel yeah, like spending more time on social media than I ever have. <laughs> Always yeah. on it now. Yes. Well, I mean, I want to be the first, I guess I'm going to be the first to say thank you to you guys for agreeing to come on with us, being our first victim. I mean, guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for having us. It's been fun. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And thanks to the Escondido Library, Jess, uh, and uh, oh. you for being the brains behind this and organizing. I'm so happy it worked out. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> And uh, I guess, um, yeah, thank you to both of you guys. Thank you. Bye, Escondido. <laughs> <laughs>
New episodes arrive every Friday, and you can find Smart Podcast Trashy Books on your favorite podcast app.